This is Review and Preview on the Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo and James Montefusco. Welcome, guys. Um, James, first off, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, and you have returned at a good time. This is your, um, you've been here for a year. A year ago tonight was your first show on the show. Congratulations. Thank you. That year flew by very fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the seat you're in right now, oh, a year ago tonight. That's right, yeah. Um, as the host, so I did double duty, host and engineer. A quick reminder, folks, you can listen to our show tonight on our audio link here on the wave, the sound of LIU. That's liuwave.org. We ha- now have a new podcast home, anchor.fm slash review and preview. Go subscribe, like us, listen to our podcast. Again, that is anchor.fm slash review and preview. So if you can't tune in for the whole show tonight, you want to hear stuff that you missed, you can go subscribe and listen to us on that link. It's also in our Instagram bio at Review and Preview. We also have a Twitter account. Go follow us for March Madness updates. And reminder, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments. Our call number is 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. Um, And with that being said, without further ado, the New York Mets baseball underway started. The Mets take two out of three in the opening series of the season on the road against the Washington Nationals. They take two out of three um, in this series opening day. As we recapped last week, the Grom was great. Scherzer was great, but the Grom got the better edge. Uh, Syndergaard and Wheeler looked eh. They were okay. Nowhere near compared to the Grom. But uh, the story in this opening series was the offense, guys. Uh, I think it was Saturday. What was it? The Mets won like 11-8 to eight or something? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were up big. McNeil and Alonzo, the young guns, really showed up in this game. McNeil went 4-5. for five. Alonzo uh, went 3-4. for four. And realistically, these are the new faces of the New York Metropolitans, guys. Uh, Alonzo, just 24 years old. McNeil, just 26. Uh, James, a week in, what do you think? Listen, the, the young guns have uh, started to rise up. I like what I'm seeing out of them. Um, DeGrom, amazing, as usual. He felt, to me, it feels like he never stepped um, uh, off missed that mound. Step. Yep, yep missed up. Thank you. Um, I mean... Smith is playing well. McNeil's playing well. You got Pete Alonso playing very well. Um, I I think this should be a good season to look at, especially for the the younger guys. You know, they have a they have a lot of talent, and they're all up at the same time. So let let hopefully that keeps um, the competition among them going. You know, 
Yeah, no, it's definitely great to see so far because, I mean, if you look at the stats, McNeil's hitting over 400. Alonzo is hitting 346. He leads the team in RBIs. Peter Alonzo has a home run, seven RBIs, two walks, hitting 346, a slugging percentage of 615. That's second on the team behind DeGrom. <laughs> Pitcher has the best slugging percentage. But, guys, uh, Pete Alonso is the real deal. I don't think the Mets made a mistake by bringing him up this early. Uh, I don't think losing a year of him is a big deal because he's performing extremely well. And with this new mentality with Van Wagner, he keeps playing well. They'll extend him, I think. Um, and it's been great. Sunday, however, uh, Zach Wheeler was okay, not so great. Uh, the Mets were actually down in this game, James, 5-2 to two in the eighth. They scored three runs to tie, but then the Mets were the Mets. Justin Wilson, new young guy, comes into the game, bullpen pitcher. Gives up a walk-off home run to Trey Turner in the ninth inning. Uh, sour note as the Nationals salvage the third game in this series. What are your thoughts on the bullpen this year? Obviously, you got Familia back, the addition of Edwin Diaz. What are your thoughts on these guys stacked up in this pen? I like the bullpen because you got Lugo and Gazelman, the two longer guys that can go three or four innings in, you know, in case uh, a mishap within the starting rotation. You got Familia, I, I like within that eighth inning. Um, he's a good setup man. I think he will shine in that perspective. Then our closer, listen, they brought him in for a reason. I think he will produce. Um, right now, I don't see any flow within that bullpen. But then again, come later on when the when the starting pitching, say somebody had two starters have a bad, two bad days in a row, I think that will affect the bullpen like it always has. But I think right now, we're looking pretty, pretty solid. Kyle Rousseau, I know you're a Yankees fan, but... James brought up some good points. Uh, the bullpen is improved. What are your thoughts on the Mets over this past week? I mean, it's been a wild week in baseball, that's for sure. They've obviously been very impressive, and we knew the one weakness that the Mets had to address rather than the bullpen, but just the offense in total. I mean, last year the Mets just were decimated at the offensive side of the ball, but, you know, Pete Alonso's come in again. I don't necessarily agree the fact that they – should have brought him up as early as they did. I believe that have losing a year of control is huge, although they could still extend him. But he has immediately made an impact in this offense. You saw at the beginning of the season, the first game or two, Robinson Cano was getting the bat on the ball. Uh, everybody just sharing con and contributing all around, even, even DeGrom hitting a home run against the Marlins. Now, all said and great, i got to ask you this question. The real prize for the Mets was free agent catcher Wilson Ramos. Yep. He leads the team in hits with 11. Five RBIs already. He's hitting 478. He's only struck out twice all year so far. Through seven games, I really like this Wilson Ramos guy. It puts some issues to rest at the starting catcher position. You know, Travis Darno, uh, virtually a piece of glass. So this is something the Mets have needed. Uh, it's a couple of years too late, but... Uh, now the Mets finally have a catcher. I like it. And now the Mets move on to uh, earlier this week, Monday. They sweep the Marlins. They start out the season 5-1. and one. Uh, Looks like 
right now it's a race for first place between them and the Phillies. In this series, guys, the Mats had a strong outing. They won the first game 7-3. to Alonzo hit his first MLB home run. And three RBIs for him in a game where, yes, the bullpen was a little shaky. You saw Edwin Diaz a little off, but he got the job done. He did. Uh, really like the stuff from Stephen Matz. And then uh, the next game, they won, I think it was, what was it, 6-5? to five? I think it was. Uh, yep, 6-5, yep. to five because yeah. I think they almost came back. They scored five runs in the first. Vargas gives you, gives you your five innings. Not great, but not awful. Uh, but they always got to make it interesting, guys. And then Wednesday night, this is what we're going to talk about. The Grom is on the mound. Cy Grom, written by our script writer, Kyle Earhart, who is not here tonight. Uh, very dominant the Grom was, but a career high. 14 strikeouts in seven innings. 14 of his 21 outs recorded are strikeouts. You know what that means. Every two out of three hitters coming up to the plate are being struck out. What do you think about that? He's one of the best pitchers in the league. There's oh, no he's doubt the about best it. pitcher in the league, he unquestionably. Is. He is. There's no doubt about it in my mind. As a Yankees fan, I'm sitting here saying, the Rahm is the best pitcher in all of baseball. Better There's than no Sale. doubt about it. Better than Scherzer. Garrett Cole. I, I don't care who you throw at us. He's very good. DeGrom is the number one pitcher in the game right now. He's very good. He and hates now losing. That, and now that this team has some offense to support him a little bit, you could see a lot of wins potentially coming out of DeGrom. DeGrom gave up just three hits in seven innings. Guys, DeGrom has not given up a run this season. DeGrom also hit a solo home run in this game. He gave himself uh, some of his own offense. In fact, DeGrom is the fifth pitcher in the last 50 years, to have a home run and 14 strikeouts in a game. Insane statistic right there. Oh, but it gets better, guys. The Grom is hit. We're talking about pitchers hitting home runs, which, quite frankly, doesn't happen often. The Grom has hit as many home runs as he's allowed in his last 42 and two-thirds innings pitched. One home run. In his last 42 and two third innings pitched. So he's hit a home run. He's given up a home run in that span. Uh, this man is fantastic. You know, after a CY Young year, you usually don't meet the same expectations the following year. It's very hard to do so. But now the question I leave with you guys is this. Can the Grom possibly be better? than he was last year? I think record-wise, yes. I think he's looking for 20 wins this season. Um, what do you think, Kyle Russo? I think he'd easily uh, tie last year. I mean, you're, he's definitely going to have wins with this offense that they put around him now. You know, you got Wilson Ramos, who's going to get on base. They struggled with that last season. You have a home run hitter in Robinson Cano and potentially Pete Alonso. You know the power behind him. But DeGrom... I'm not going to say he's going to beat last year's ERA. That was something spectacular. But he, he's probably the favorite to win the Cy Young again, back-to-back Cy Youngs. Well, fun fact. Through two games, the Grom's ERA, triple zeros. And, of course, the decimal point. But point. Get it? Yep. You, you get the point? No, no, no <laughs> pun intended there. Uh, 
but also in this game, two more hits for Alonzo. Conforto has been hitting. He's hitting over 300. He doesn't have any RBIs or homers yet, but he's getting hits. He's hitting cleanup for the Mets right now. The only guy who's really been desperately struggling all around is leadoff hitter Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. Uh, 14 strikeouts through just six games for Nimmo. Uh, is this a mistake, having Nimmo as the leadoff hitter? No, it's not a mistake. He's just struggling right now. It's the first couple games of the season. I wouldn't worry about it too much. You know, obviously, if it becomes a long-lasting problem as we hit the month of May, then I would worry about it. But just the beginning of the season right now, I wouldn't worry about it. Fair enough. Now, i got to ask you guys this. Tuesday night, yeah, the Grom comes out after seven innings. He threw like 110 115 pitches. And then they throw Luis Avilan into the game. I'm watching the game with my parents at home. And I'm shaking. I'm like, all right, this is not going to be pretty. What, did he give up, like, three runs, James? Yeah. And then Giselman tried to throw the gas. He was doing that a little too much. He gave up a run as well. And it got to the point where the Mets had to throw Diaz in in a game where they didn't want to use him. The Mets still found a way to win. But it's pretty insane because the Mets were up in this game and then they almost lost it. All those runs they gave up late. Yeah, too late. Late in this game. Late in this game. And it kind of reminds you of last season whenever DeGround pitched. Correct. He would pitch stellar, maybe only needed two runs to win. And then they got these guys come in and then give them the L. They allow the Marlins to score four runs in the ninth inning. Four. And it became a save situation for Edwin Diaz, which is a shame. I mean, through seven games, Diaz already has three saves. But you saw former Mets for the Marlins, Curtis Granderson, Neil Walker, two of their uh, top three in the lineup. But too close for comfort there at the end. Was not a fan of the performance by Avilon. I think he'll go down to the... A lot of people did not expect him to make the opening day roster, but he did. And then Giselman gets into trouble. Diaz scoops up the final out. Now, we talk about that game, and and why are we talking about the bullpen and how it struggled? It was so significant because the MLB scheduled the Mets' home opener 15 hours later. The Mets left... The game ended, I think it was around 8.50 p.m. in Miami. Not only do the Mets have to go to the airport, you hear Keith Hernandez and Gary Cohen saying, let's go, let's go, let's get the game over. Remember, the announcers get tired, too. And we're watching the game. There's all these Mets fans in Miami because, you know, there's a lot of Mets fans down there. And they're probably thinking the same thing, like, get out of there, just end the game. But the Mets do a typical Mets thing. And on top of it, by the time they finally get out of there, guys, they get drug tested at the airport. Are nice. you kidding? Well, listen, it's questionable compared to what the Mets' offense last year was batting and now what it is this year. Very questionable. I'm kidding. I'm playing around. But, listen, you got to play through the schedule. That's what it is. You have to play through the schedule. It just doesn't make sense because they're off tonight. They couldn't schedule this game. I, I understand it was raining today, but really? Nothing's going to be easy. you got to work for it. That's what it is. I mean, it happens. I mean, sometimes you'll play three games in a row, back to back to back. It happens. Yeah, but the MLB messed this up. They really did. And, look, I hate to blame 
I hate to blame it on scheduling, but I'm telling you, the Mets lost this game because of jet lag, lost sleep, and the MLB. The Mets didn't lose opening day. In my opinion, they couldn't hit. Yeah, but Syndergaard Syndergaard wasn't Syndergaard either. You can't. What are you talking about? He gave up one hit. Yeah, but in six innings, only six strikeouts, and he walked two guys. And he gave up two runs. Okay, but the first run was unearned. It was an all-around team Since, loss. Wait, what are you talking about? Syndergaard had a fantastic game on Thursday. Not up to his standards, I don't think yeah. so. Are you kidding? It was decent. I mean, What game were you watching? I was watching this game, Kyle Russo. I wasn't watching the Mets game. I'll well, tell you that. May- maybe there's a reason why your uh, facts there sound a little off, because I was watching this game. They didn't lose the game because it was jet lag. you got to play through play through whatever. Play I understand that. That's work. you got to get through it. But you can't admit that the MLB played some part in the reason why the Mets lost this game. 100%. Even Syndergaard admitted after the game, we were put in an unfair situation. And that's a fact. Yeah, when you get home. Teams and- are going to be put in unfair situations all the time. I get it. But this, unacceptable by the MLB. And I would say this for any team, not just the Mets. We're only talking about it because we're in New York. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I mean, I don't understand. No, hold on. But let me get over Noah Syndergaard's stat line. Six innings pitched, two runs on just one hit. He had one bad pitch the whole game, and that was the home run. Other than that, I didn't see much wrong with the start. I thought the problem was Seth Lugo. If you want to talk about pitching in that game, he's been horrendous to start the year. Only got one guy out. Well, the hitting was horrible, too. You only had four hits the entire game. Why do you think the hitting was horrible? Listen, what was Part Ram- of the reason why. Ramos showed up. He had two of those four hits. Ramos, the- Ramos didn't play the night before. He was probably back in New York at sleeping at a decent hour. McNeil, no, he wasn't sleeping. M- McNeil and Ramos got three of the four Mets hits in that game. Neither of them played the night before. That tells you something. And you're going up against Steven Strasburg, one of the best pitchers in the game. That doesn't help either. No. But the Nationals were, were there nine hours before the Mets. Just saying. Just some food for thought. Um, what else? Well, the issues at catcher, the whole Devin Messerocco situation makes me sick. It really does. Um. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Because he was the Grom's personal catcher last year. He's a former all-star. I think he deserves to be on the team. And he's not for some reason. I understand why they carried Nito. But it doesn't make sense to me. Well, to me, if I'm... If I'm Mazzarocco, I'm not complaining because I signed a minor league deal after you signed Ramos. So why would you have any indication that, uh, by chance, by chance, maybe a slim indication that you'd make the opening day Because the Mets' intentions were to carry three catchers on opening day, but Darno got hurt, and then they chose Nito over Mazzarocco, who would have been that third catcher on the opening day roster. Well, then maybe that's telling something about Mazzarocco's play then. For him to not make it and for Nito to make it. Because if uh, all these stat lines, and I saw him, he was one of your best batters towards the end of the season last season. Maybe there was something that they saw that they said. And I okay. like Tomas Nito. Don't get me wrong. 
I don't think he's a good hitter. I think he's a very good defensive catcher. But there's a problem. There's a problem with the Mets for not giving Des- Devin Messeraco a look this season. They'll give him a look, you know, when normal Mets things start to happen, you know. Injury bug. Gee, thanks. No problem. You got your own problems. We already have the injury bug, kind of. Not as bad as the Yankees, but we do have a couple of uh, key players that are out. Darno, Jed Lowry, and Todd Frazier. Uh, Frazier should, he might possibly return this weekend. I don't know if there was an official update on Todd, but I think he's close to returning. Uh, Him and Darno are both ready for rehab games. Lowry's going to be out probably till the end of April. Uh, Key acquisition for the Mets. Supposed to be starting for them at third this season, but um, they've both begun their rehab assignments, and we look forward to the Todd father. Speaking of which, Saturday is uh, WWE Todd Frazier bobblehead day. And then Sunday, you got the Cy Young winner, Jacob DeGrom, and his bobblehead day. I'll be going to that game Sunday. It should be a good game. It should be a good game. Um, But, yeah. Frazier has been playing in minor league games along with Darno. Um, other than that, I give the Mets an A minus this first week. Uh, realistically, there were a couple of games where the hitting wasn't there, not just Thursday, um, but it was one of the first games in the National Series. It wasn't there. It was a little bit too much for my liking. But uh, any final thoughts on these uh, Metropolitans? I like uh, the young stars arising. Yeah, they're up. They're ready to play. And Rosario is going to have an even better season this year. Yes. Between Rosario, Nimmo, Conforto, McNeil, Alonzo, that's five young guns right there to tag along with Wilson Ramos, good hitter. Yeah. Robinson Cano, good hitter. Good leader, Proven. too. Looking forward to the season. Yeah. But I'm not getting my hopes up. I still don't have the Mets in the playoffs this year, but I see much improvement from last season. And as they try to uh, – take on the Nationals and win this series. Uh, They took two out of the three from the Nets. They lost the uh, first of three in this homestand. Uh, A Mets, a team that are usually used to winning their home opener. On that note, that's enough for the Mets. We're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk the New York Yankees and their dismal start to the 2019 campaign. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, here in the studio. All right, guys, so just talked about the Mets. It's time for the Yankees. I'm excited to talk about the Yankees. You know why I'm excited to talk about the Yankees? Can I take it? Because Kyle Russo is sitting right next to me. That's Well, that's one of the reasons why. We will have the other reason why in about 10 minutes from now. Um, but the Yankees are not off to a good start. Uh, I'm not concerned for them. I think they're going to be just fine. They're currently 3-4 and four, despite all these injuries happening. But 2-4 and four, uh, on the opening homestand, that's definitely not what you, what you want. It's definitely not up to Yankees' standards and expectations. But considering all these injuries that they had, I don't think 3-4 and four is awful. I think losing the opening series of the season to the Orioles is awful. But 
we'll see. Because they, Kyle, remember they sent uh, Paxton out to the mound Saturday, high pitch count, and then Sunday, Hap just looked awful. Yeah, Hap is, Hap is terrible. I didn't want them to sign him back. I would have preferred them to let him go, Why? but because he's not a good pitcher. He's not a good pitcher. Didn't he had a he, solid didn't he second win you half, like seven starts in a row, and he was supposed to be the Boston Red Sox killer and laid a dud right in the playoffs. Things happen. That's not supposed to happen. You showed up. You're supposed to be a great performer against them. And as of now, I'm not that worried about the pitching because they got some solid guys around them. Tanaka is quietly performing. Having so a good you're season. worried about Hap, but you're not worried about the pitching. The rest of the pitching, I'm not worried about. I'm worried about Hap. But what I'm really worried about is this batting. And you're I don't not know worried if it's about his... Severino? No, he's going to come back. He's going to perform like he did in the beginning. Really? He is. He will. Interesting. He will. What I'm most worried about is this batting because Aaron Judge is scaring the hell out of me. He had five at-bats the other day, four strikeouts. Hasn't hit a home run yet. You know Giancarlo is on the IL now, IL now. Miguel Andujar probably done for the season. Gleyber Torres gets two home runs against the Orioles the other day. But this team, and this is why I said it and it was questioned because of the fact, why do you need him? You know, you already had the manpower. Manny Machado on the Yankees would have been perfect. And I'm not saying, oh, yeah, it would have fit because, oh, Andujar got hurt. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, I'm right. I'm not that Yankee fan. I'm saying because this team continues and continues to struggle to get on base. They can't do it. They're one of the worst teams in the league. It's home run or bust. They don't get on base. They've lost now, what was it? They've lost four games. In, four, in three of those games, they've scored one run per game. That's all. You can't win a baseball game like that, especially in today's league. You cannot win a game. Maybe that's the, the Mets. No, the Since Mets. 2009, know. no World Series. Yes, the Mets. No. Oh, we know. Oh, you know, you can't win a game with one run. We're just sharing the wealth here. You, you know, Russo. I want to point something out. There you I don't go. know if Tom's enjoying this as much as I am. Oh, I'm enjoying it. But I am enjoying seeing the Yankees hurt. I'm enjoying them seeing losing games. You don't understand how much joy it brings to me that they have. An injury bug now since they were high-flying last season. Yes, I I respect them, but at the same time, I couldn't l- be happier. I couldn't I don't be like happier. Boone. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like Boone. I, don't I love like, Joe Girardi, but I, I don't mind I don't, I don't Boone. Like Boone. I don't mind Boone. I don't like the fact that he had no knowledge or managerial experience, and that was the guy that they hired. I, I didn't see the reason for firing Girardi, especially after being literally a couple pitches away or a couple hits away from being in the World Series. And really, basically... His first season with this young team that they had. Remember, that was Aaron Judge's basically first season, yeah. not considering the season before we only played half the games. But it has nothing to do with Boone. I don't Because the pitching is fine, excluding Hap. CeCe comes back, he'll give you Why a solid five. Why do you say five. excluding Hap? Because I don't I think, still don't understand. I don't that. think because James Paxton has showed me in two games. He, Sabathia's suspended, hasn't played yet this season. Severino's hurt. Severino is going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Tanaka's always hit or miss. Tanaka's not hit or miss. He's been excellent these last He's always hit or miss. He's either really good or really bad. He's He's been excellent these last last Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about from a season standpoint, from a career standpoint, not a two-game standpoint. I'm not worried about it. And one of the best bullpens in the league is if – I don't know what happened to Chapman the other day, though. He gave up two runs in the bottom of the ninth – top of the ninth. Absolutely ridiculous. Chapman's been bad. Yeah, he's been bad. His ERA's up there. Ottavino's been good. Britain's been decent. The bull, you know, Batances is hurt right now. He's the other guy that yeah. once he gets back off the IL, he'll be fine. But 
Yeah, this team has definitely got the injury bug and definitely reasoning behind this three and four start to the season. But I'm not worried about it because the good thing about baseball, rather than any other sport, is that you have 162 games. You could mess up on at least 60 of them. You can. Not with not with football, not with basketball, not with hockey. But in baseball, you can afford to make a little mistakes. So. Let's recap these injuries, why don't we? Let's uh, don't a- we? A- agonize the pain a little more. Uh, Greg Bird had a good game, and Greg Bird's been one of the best hitters so far to start this season. Uh, the Greg Bird versus Luke Voigt debate, that's a good problem to have, not in terms of who plays, but who starts at first base, as the other has usually... Voigt has played a lot of DH so far this season. Uh, Voigt's been great. Voigt is... Say something. Left where um came back right where he left off. He's been the only consistent with this Yankees offense so far. Somebody took him the pick before me in our fantasy draft. I was not happy. Yeah. Um No, he's definitely been a he's been a constant and he's been a reason why the Yankees have been in a lot of these games because uh, besides the Glaber Torres two home runs hit the other day, I mean it, it's just been void, really, offensively. It has. And the reason why Sunday Stanton leaves the game. Left bicep strain. You thought that was bad. Remember, it could always get worse. Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. Stanton, gone. Thank you. Next, <laughs> Miguel and Duhart. Hurts his shoulder sliding into third base. On the 10-day, I'm going to say it, DL, not IL. Uh, possible season-ending surgery. That is not excellent work. He's on the 60-day IL, somebody told me. He got... But he got bumped he got to that. 60. Well, yeah. on the bright side, uh, didn't they they beat the uh, they beat the Tigers earlier this week? Yep. A game where your man Domingo Herman he he looked good. He he looked pretty uh, all right. Yeah. Very uh, solemn comment there on Domingo <laughs> Herman. Listen, April's not going to be a pretty month. <laughs> well, let's get out of April and let's just already hit September already, please, because this has been New York sports all around. The 2019 needs to end right now. We like April. I love April. You do like April. If April could be all year round. DD still out. The what is it? The UCL, T- the Tommy John surgery, something like that. Uh, it's been rough, guys. Severino, Sabathia suspended. Batansis, out. Montgomery. Montgomery. He had Tom, uh, Tommy John two uh, years ago. Yeah, two years ago. No, last year he had Tommy John, so he's not going to be back till the. Middle of the season. And Gary but, Sanchez, uh, he, I mean, look, he's, he's been good. He's not consistent, but he's been good. He's been a lot better than he was last season. Yeah. Uh, Tanaka gave you six and two thirds the other night back on Tuesday. But the only RBI in that game was Clint Frazier. And I'm, I'm having so much fun listening to Michael Kay call this Clint Frazier back because last year he called him out. Shame on Clint Frazier for not getting healthy. I'm like, why would you say that? That doesn't make sense. Because now he's healthy and now he's playing. Like, I don't, I don't understand what Michael Kay's pro- – I've never liked Michael Kay. I don't think he deserved the Vince Scully Award. I'll be straight up. I don't. Uh, but Frazier, this is a time where guys like him can emerge. A lot of people don't like Clint Frazier. What are your thoughts on Clint? I think a lot of people don't like Clint, Fla- uh, Clint Frazier because he was the domino apparently two years ago that Brian Cashman refused to give up in a – potential trade for Garrett Cole. Yes. And then you saw what happened. He got traded from the Pirates to Houston. And it wasn't because the Yankees don't have a relationship with the Pirates. You know they have a lot of trades back and forth. It was because Brian Cashman refused to give up Clint Frazier in any potential deal. And now you saw what Garrett Cole did last season. 
although they didn't win the World Series, still a phenomenal pitcher. And we'll continue with Houston. So we say or so we think? So, so we, we say. say. <laughs> we answered it together there. Um, another injury, Troy Tulowitzki taken out with a strained left calf. Another free agent addition who was performing okay uh, as the Yankees lose the series finale to the Tigers. Uh, the Yankees, they won the series against the Tigers, right? No, I believe they lost that. No, because they, they lost. Record. They lost two out they of three the to the Orioles. Orioles. You're right. They beat the Orioles, Orioles twice, yes. and they beat the Tigers once. So the Yankees lost their first two series of the season. What do you think about that? Injuries, really bad injuries to key nice, players. Nice, nice excuses. Mm-hmm. It's and all right. We love Kyle Russo here in the studio, guys. Um, remember, you're listening to Review Preview here on the Wave, the Sound of Liu on liuwave.org. Remember to subscribe, listen to our podcast on anchor.fm slash review and preview. Um, Other news, of course, uh, Judge has really been one of the few bright spots right now. Oh, fun fact. we got to agonize the pain a little longer. In that game, the Yankees struck out a franchise record 18 times. Yeah. I got a fun fact. Your age. Yeah. (laughs) I got a fun fact for you. So... I saw this the other day. It was on TV. Fun. It was it was disgusting. Too. It made me want to throw up because it really shows you how umpires do affect games and any not just umpires but referees. So since 2017, Aaron Judge leads the league with most called strikes below the zone, 181 strikeouts below the zone. Leads the league. So it's not. I mean, it's out of your control. Obviously, listen. He doesn't know how to hit a breaking ball. We all know that. But at the end of the day, some of these calls are just blown completely. And put him in a bad position. You'd be down in a 3-2 count, and you yeah. get stuck hitting a breaking ball, and he can't hit that. True. Yeah, no, but, you're right. And Giancarlo Stanton, another guy in the top five, 137 strikeouts called below the zone. It's unacceptable. That's that's my just that's my opinion. But it's no excuse for the injuries. And, yeah, it's been a lot of injuries, but like the Mets playing against the Nationals, who they played to start out, the Yankees back with the Orioles. They win yesterday 8-4, to four, void a three-run home run in the ninth to put that game to bed. And Paxton, a little better outing. Uh, at this time, we do have a caller. Caller, please state your name and where you are from. Hank from uh, Westchester. Hank, how's it going? Tom, I'm good. How about you? I am doing just fine. Um, now, I know you're a big Yankees fan, and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, Hank. Uh, Shoot. Who do the Yankees miss most right now? I mean, we pretty much named the big list of guys that are out, suspended, or hurt. Who do the Yankees miss most out of all these guys? I'll give you my take. I think it's Didi. Yep. I completely agree with that. I completely agree. Because Didi is just one of the heart and souls of the team. You always love seeing him smiling. And he's got a good bat in the lineup. And without Didi and without guys like him and Stanton, you don't see Judge getting as many good pitches to swing at. And I think that's another part of the reason why he doesn't have as much home runs right now. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think Didi is good protection in that lineup. Facebook viewers, if you are watching, Hank Indictor has called in from, uh, well, he's from Westchester, but he's calling from Connecticut right now. Um, shout out, Hank. Um, he's basically <laughs> saying that the Yankees – Miss Didi the most, agreeing with me and Kyle Russo about how he is good protection in that lineup, a 
good glove and a good bat. Hank, next question. Um, who needs to pick up the slack the most? Uh, I mean, I know Judge I would probably be an easy people. answer, but. There are two people who I think pick up the slack. First off, Gary Sanchez. Because wow. we know he can carry the team. We know despite what happened last year, he still has potential. He's still got a good bat. It's just a matter of him living up to it. And the other player I think that needs to pick it up is Wood. Because in order for guys like Judge to good see good pitches, you need him to be hitting well, too. Hank, quick question. Um, I know you're a big sports fan, and you're, you're really good on dates. And I, I, know, I know you're a big Yankees fan, but I, I want to surprise my co-host here in the studio. Can you tell us the teams in the 1942 World Series and who won? 1942 World Series. Believe it or not, that was Joe DiMaggio's only World Series loss. The, the Cardinals beat the Yankees. Wow. I believe that was a five-game series. Wow. Hank just spitted that out without even looking. Hank, do you want another one? Go for it. 1950. 
to an already stacked roster, uh, and you know this guy's history and past, would that have been a good move for this Yankees organization? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't. I'm not really on the Machado train, to be honest with you, because I think for one thing, he disappears in the big game, and also he's like not a hustler, and he can be a dirty player. I don't want to pay a lot of money to that guy. Completely agree. And Hank, I hear you were at opening day this season. Uh, how was that experience? Honestly, opening day was a lot of fun. I actually went to four of the first six home games, believe it or not. Oh, yeah? Great experience. I am a partial season ticket holder. But opening day was a lot of fun because you get to see the ceremony on the field and the players come back. And just seeing them win on opening day was a great feeling. And it, and it just made me feel like if baseball is that going to swing a thing. Pun intended. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, Hank, very impressed with your call tonight. Thank you very much for calling in, and we look forward to having you again soon. Hey, you know what? I just want to say I've been enjoying listening to your show today. Excellent work, guys. Have a good one. (laughs) Thank you very much, Hank. Uh, Excellent work, Hank. Enjoy the rest of your night in the shoebox. You do the same, my man. Thank you very much. That was Henry Indictor from Trumbull, Connecticut. Man, Hank is a smart guy. He knows his history. You hear him shouting out those World Series? Love it. Um, yeah, this is all good stuff. Well, one guy, ah, it, it, it's tough because I don't think the Yankees hit the panic button at all. I don't think Yankee fans need to be concerned. But, Kyle, before we go to break here, the impact, the impact of DJ LeMahieu, a guy who we haven't, we just brought his name up now. We've been talking about the Yankees for twenty, for fifteen, twenty minutes. Thoughts? He's definitely helped because if he was not in this lineup, the Yankees would have lost a lot more than four games. We'd be in a bad situation right now, to be honest with you. He's gotten us on base a lot of times, and he, he's just been good. Yeah, I completely agree. DJ LeMahieu coming over from the Rockies blessed my fantasy team last season. Really good hitter. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it there. And then talking about who the Yankees' fifth starter is, uh, when Severino and CeCe are healthy, I think it's Severino, Tanaka, Paxton, Hap, and CeCe. I think that's the five, Kyle. That's the five. That's the five. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will talk some MLB news and talk a little bit about the reigning National League MVP, Christian Yelich. You're listening to Review and Preview here on LIEWave.org. Open up the champagne. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, here on the Wave, the sound of LIU here in Brookville, New York. We just had a caller, Hank and Dichter, actually a senior at Sacred Heart University. We broadcast the show here on the LIU Post campus, and Long Island University Post will be becoming a Division I school next year. And our first home football game against Sacred Heart University. Fun fact, how do I know Hank? Go to school with him. I now am a enrolled student at Sacred Heart University. I'm getting my master's up at SHU, and that is how I met Hank, and uh, very, very proud to know him. And shout out to my friends as well, Dominic, Danielle, and Paul Lombardi. Paul, one of my really good friends at NBC. 
Um, and Dom and Hank are great as well. Love you guys. So, let's get to some MLB news. Um, Christian Yelich, guys, this guy won the National League MVP last year for the Brewers. Finally, off a bad team in Miami. Goes to Milwaukee, tears it up. Becomes the sixth player ever to start a season with a home run in four straight games. Kyle Russo, would you consider this excellent work? It's phenomenal work. It's phenomenal work, what he's been able to do, considering the fact that Christian Yelich up until, like, last year, he wasn't even a name. He was just a player on Miami, and now he's become an absolute superstar. Absolutely ridiculous what he's been able to do. Uh, throughout his career, he has, well, coming into the season, 99 home runs. Remember, last year was his first time as an All-Star. Last year was really his breakout year. Yeah. Yeah. 411 ribbies, two-time Silver Slugger. National League Hank Aaron Award last year. Um, crazy. And he's hit for the cycle twice already in his career. This guy's only 27 years old. Good stuff. Um, other guys that have been playing well besides Christian Yelich, Ronald Acuna Jr. signs an eight-year, $100 million extension with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, thoughts on Acuna? I think this is well-deserved, but I don't know. I think eight years is too long, but now those are the types of contracts you see nowadays. It can't hurt them because if you look at the span over eight years, $100 million, he'll be making a little over 10 per year. So even if he doesn't pan out, $10, 12000000 million to the cap isn't that bad of a deal, especially potentially what he could be. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, Tom, especially when you said more than eight years, eight years is the new, I guess, contract deal. Um I feel it's a lot, but you know what? The Braves are a rising team. They are. So by having him on eight years, it may benefit their team. I have the Braves actually getting back to the playoffs this season, uh, despite with how well the Mets have started out. I think it's going to come down to them, the Mets and the Phillies. I don't think Washington's going to be as good this season. I think all they have is three really good starters. Uh, but then after that, it's going to be between the Mets, Braves, and Phillies, I think. Uh Look, the Braves started the season 0-3. Now they're 3-3. and They're on a three-game win streak. I like what they're doing right now. They're good at home, but they've always been bad on the road, and I feel like that's been the case forever. We know Miami. They'll be the dogs of the <laughs> NL East, or the fish, I should say. Sorry, Kyle. I know you're a Miami fan. Yep. Basketball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Speaking of the NL East, Bryce Harper is now a Philadelphia Philly. He got booed in his return to D.C. And then uh, he quieted them pretty quickly with a home run against his old team at uh, Nationals Park. James. It's Bryce Harper, kid, man. He, he's he doesn't a, care. He doesn't. He's uh, he's has special talent, and I also feel like he he is focused on him, and it seems like his team and cancels out the noise on what goes on around him. Yes. A lot of pl- more players should be like him because he doesn't – he probably heard the boos and walked into that dugout and was like, all right, you want to boo me, but if I hit a home run within the next three games, that's on you. I think he en- he either enjoys them booing him or he takes it to another level. What I mean is he – 
doesn't let that affect his game. Yes. He feeds off the negativity. Yes, exactly. He feeds off. It's like your favorite food. He he. That's his favorite. That's what it is. That's what it is. I like know? that reference, James. He feeds off of it. It gives him a good. I'm sure it gives him a nice indre- indre- adrenaline. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Rush, and then he takes off with it. Um, I wish a lot, a few other guys were like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, another team in the National League, they've been playing well to start the year. The LA Dodgers currently at six and two. The Dodgers have homered. As of Wednesday night, they hit home runs in seven straight games. They set a team record by doing that, which is insane. They're on a three-game winning streak. They've only played one road game so far this season. They're going to be tested at Colorado this weekend, but for a team that likes to hit, Coors Field guys, that's a place to hit. I remember the Rockies are without Daniel Murphy, and Murphy supposed to supposed to be their new first baseman. You see guys like Ryan McMahon filling in at first base for the Rockies, so... Uh, Let's see if they can uh, get a win here or two in the series without Murphy try to stop the Dodgers. Now, um, early standings, there's been a lot of surprises. Obviously, the Red Sox starting starting the year very slow at 2-6. and six. Uh, Quite frankly, that's <laughs> as crazy as this is going to sound, guys. They're the second-worst team record-wise in the American League right now. Should the Red Sox be hitting the panic button? My answer, no. Their first eight games were on the road. And they're live on the road right now against Arizona. Where they're losing 7-1. to Yeah. Rick Porcell is so, throwing a dud. Well, I think once the Red Sox get back home, things will get back to speed a little bit for them. I'm not concerned. Maybe losing Kimbrell in that bullpen. Uh... We'll see. The Mariners are 7-1 and one to start the year. They've been good. Seattle Mariners acquiring Jay Bruce in a trade with the New York Mets in the offseason after losing Edwin Diaz. But they did lose today to the White Sox 10-8. to eight. They are now 7-2. and two. Um, Not bad. Well, giving up, 10 runs, giving up 10 runs to the White Sox is not good. Team that has not really been good since the Maglio Ordonez Paul Canerco days. Um, just some stuff to consider there. The Brew Crew off to a hot start at six and one. I mean, Jesus Aguilar off to a slow start, but there's other guys really pulling the their weight right now. Of course, we got uh, we got Christian Yelich. It's been fantastic. Milwaukee's a deep team. I mean, their pitcher shaken. It's really good. Lorenzo Cain. Of course, you got Ryan Braun. Mostakis is back playing third. Yasmani Grandal, who they picked up from the Dodgers. Uh, it's it's been a pretty uh, it's been a pretty rad start for this Brew Crew. Yeah, no, they've been phenomenal. We were just talking about it before. Christian Yelich, he's really helped. I'm not going to say carry, but in those first four games, he was an absolute force to be reckoned with. And this team is just a good team. I mean, they were one of those teams. They were potential dark horse to make it to the World Series. They came up short one game short but this is still a team they they're a phenomenal team yeah. they're a put together oh, yeah. all-around team it's not just christian yellis you have your guys lorenzo kane travis shaw you have your pitchers josh Hader, who's one of the best relievers in all of baseball uh, they have phenomenal all around well, i'm gonna tell you something right now one of the most surprising teams in baseball has been i think the minnesota twins 
I know they're losing right now to the Phillies, 6-3, in the top of the fifth, but if you look at the standings, guys, record don't lie. Twins are 4-1, and three-game winning streak. They've been good. And then another team, the Tampa Bay Rays at 6-2. and two. This was a team that almost made the playoffs last season. I think if you extend the season by another month, the Rays get in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I really do. I mean, you look at their one-two punch, man. Didn't they acquire uh, Archer? At the no, they traded or Archer. They traded Archer away. But, man, they still have excellent pitching. Uh, Snell? Snell is phenomenal. Yes. Snell is absolutely phenomenal. He threw a game against Colorado. Uh, the final score, 4-0. 13 strikeouts in this game. I know. By Blake Snell, only two hits. Phenomenal. American League uh, CY Young candidate from last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, of course, you got Glass now. You acquire Charlie Morton from Houston, which is huge. You got Yarbaugh as well. Glass now is off to a fantastic start, guys. 2-0, 10Ks, and Morton. I mean, Snell, Glass now, and Morton. Fantastic trio to have. I still think the Mets have the best trio. Yankees are all right. Nats are all right. But I give that edge to the Mets. At this time, this is a new segment on Review and Preview. Or not a new segment, but a new feature. Every week of the baseball season, we will feature our MLB Player of the Week. And what a better way to start out with the man, the myth, the legend, James Montefusco. Thank you for those kind of words, Tom. Um, I, <laughs> I'm going with Pete Alonzo. He has come up through the first few uh, first few games. He's shown us what he is made of. He that what he's shown me is that why is the reason why they brought him up. He has played as well. He I like to see what he's doing. I hope he not. I hope. I will. I wish to see him have a great season. I completely agree. That's a good pick. I'll be honest with you. He's been the biggest, not biggest surprise. I mean, guys thought he was going to be good, but he's been a fantastic player for the New York Metropolitans. Kyle Russo. Hands down, Cody Bellinger. He's been one of the most solid, consistent players in all of baseball. I know it's only eight games in, but Cody Bellinger has been phenomenal. Has a 438 batting average, five home runs, 13 RBIs, and 32 at bats. He's only struck out five times. He's been phenomenal. Straight up phenomenal. The average is down to 417 after tonight. Still, you took my pick. Thank you for that. Anytime. Uh, <laughs> um, DeGrom. That's the easy Can't pick. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that pick. Though I will say my honorable mention is Paul Goldschmidt. What he's been able to do with the Cardinals. I know he's usually home run or strikeout, but five home runs, nine ribbies. But the Grom has been fantastic, guys. Uh, currently, through two games, I mean, there's not much to really judge by, but Jacob the Grom has the most strikeouts in baseball. He has 24 strikeouts through 10 games. He's been phenomenal. Uh, quite frankly, hitters are hitting 174 against him. He has the lowest whip among the league leaders better than Scherzer Cole Bauer Strasburg Snell Kyle Freeland who's been a fantastic pitcher for the Rockies since the second half of last season what 
Those are our MLB Player of the Weeks. At this time, we're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we will have our Team of the Week and review and preview preview the NBA late season and the upcoming playoffs. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco, Kyle Russo. We just did our MLB Player of the Week, and guess what time it is for? Our Team of the Week. Love it. Um, James, since this is your honorary show tonight, uh, I'm going to start with you again. Okay. I am going to go with the Mets. I don't know how many times this season I would be able to go with them. But I'm going with them. <laughs> so I'm going to use I'm going to use them up now. I'm going to use them up now. Correct. Um, they've been playing phenomenal. Um, besides their two hiccup games where they lost, but right now they're cruising, especially with all their young guys. Love it. Kyle Russo, the Milwaukee Brewers, and this is easy for me because they look like one of the most consistent teams in baseball, and it's an all-around team effort. There's nobody carrying anybody. It's Travis Shaw, Christian Yelts, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Cain, Jesus Aguilar, Mike Moustakis, the list goes on. This team is phenomenal, and they will be as the season continues. Good pick. I thought you were going to say the Milwaukee Bucks for a second. No. They're a really good team. They're not my team of the week, though. I know they've been my team of the week in the past. My team of the week is the Raiders. Raiders? That's... The Red Raiders of Texas Tech oh. getting to their first ever Final Four. Did I fool you there? Yeah, a little bit. And also, this just in, today, Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard named AP Coach of the Year of all of Division I college basketball. Congratulations. The first Final Four in school history. Shout out to my fellow, I have three brothers from my college fraternity here at Post that transferred to Texas Tech. Connor Sheehan, Scott Travis, and Stefan Bellucci. Congratulations on making the Final Four. Texas Tech, well-deserved. The impact of Matt Mooney, fantastic. Moretti, the kid from Italy, and Owens. And, of course, who could not mention or forget about Jared Culver. He's the best player on that team, man. Best player on that team. Hands down. Hands down. Phenomenal talent. I'm going to tell you something about Texas Tech. Tom Mizzou and the Spartans have their hands full tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. They're the best defensive team in college basketball. Hands down. Uh, And right now, Michigan State opens up as two-and-a-half-point favorites, but we will talk about college basketball later on in the show. Good job, guys. Uh, At this time, we're going to have a debate. There's two rookies that have been fantastic this season. I know we've argued about Doncic, about should he or should he have not been on the All-Star team in the past, but the first half of the NBA season in terms of rookies belonged to Luka Doncic. The second half... Hands down has belonged to Trey Young. And I've got to say, he's been impressive. Did you see that putback layup he had in the one-point overtime win on Sunday against Milwaukee? Yep. Milwaukee's a team that has won 59 games. They're about to win 60 games on the season. Man, let me tell you, Trey Young, look, Atlanta's won 29 games this season. 
Atlanta should not have won 29 games this season. And there's still a week left to be played, guys. I'm telling you. Trey Young has been fantastic. Who do you think deserves Rookie of the Year, Kyle? Or I feel like you're going to go Doncic by default. Not by default. It's based off of consistency. Obviously, the second half, hands down, goes to Trey Young. You said that, Tom, but it's all about consistency. It's almost like as NBA fans, we've taken it for granted that Luka Doncic has been dropping 20 points per game and has about, I believe, seven triple-doubles this season. And he's been doing it since game one. Yeah. I mean, Trey Young, obviously, excellent player. And you know what? His probably motivation, as James, you said, he feeds off this negativity that people said that – Trey Young will be known as the guy who was traded for Luka Doncic. That that's what, but Luke, but Trey Young has become his own player and his own stand. And Trey Young has been dropping twenty points, been helping his team win. Although he has no supporting cast whatsoever, he's been phenomenal, no doubt about it. But Luka Doncic, just based on the fact, consistency throughout the entire season, no drop off point so far over the course of these eighty games. Yeah, I mean the stats don't lie; they're similar. I'm going to go ahead and uh, agree with you. I'm going to say Doncic deserves it. But Dallas is the second worst team in the West. They have won 31 games, though. Luka Doncic. Yeah. James, you got to pick now. Who do you pick? Luka Doncic. Yeah. I think he's just performed extremely well. Yeah. That, you know, it may come close, but I think the edge will come to Luka Doncic. I, I totally agree. Um, playoff picture update. Currently, well, as of last night, the Pistons still in sixth. As of right now, they are still in sixth. They're half a game above the seventh and eighth seeds, the Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic, both at 39-40, but both have played uh, an additional game more than the Pistons have. Pistons, the team led by front court studs and Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. And then the Miami Heat, a game back of the Pistons for the sixth seed. Between the six and the nine, there's a game differential. This is going to come down to the wire. And I believe they're beating Minnesota right now, don't they? They are. Yeah. And them and the Magic have the two most favorable schedules out of those four teams. What's crazy? Charlotte at 36 and 42 is not mathematically eliminated yet. Oh, they're, they're yeah. But uh, they I mean, can't not, be eliminated until next week. I don't. I think what's really going to be surprising is I don't know if, and this is not my heat biasness or anything in my input, but I don't know if Brooklyn's going to make the playoffs. To be honest with you, they have a ridiculously hard end of the season. They got to bank on the fact that these teams who have already clinched the playoff spot don't play their starters to get into the playoffs. To be honest with you, because these next four games for them are not easy. And their final game of the season is against the Miami Heat, who are also fighting for a, uh, for a playoff spot right now. The Nets got to play the Bucks again tomorrow night. Not easy. In Milwaukee. Definitely not easy. Uh, the Heat got to play the Raptors on Sunday in Toronto. Then Philly. And then the Pistons play the Hornets on Sunday at home, which if the Hornets lose that game on Sunday, they will be eliminated. Brooklyn plays Indiana on Sunday, so a game after traveling to Milwaukee, they got to go play the Pacers. The Pacers is a winnable game, though. 
the Nets had a tremendous effort this week in games against Milwaukee and Toronto. At times, they led both games, but they were not able to come out victorious in either game. D'Angelo Russell playing his heart and soul out. Joe Harris, a couple of big threes. This isn't easy, guys. It's really not. This is a tough time. I mean, I think Detroit is almost guaranteed to get in at this point. Detroit is guaranteed. I think Orlando is guaranteed. Orlando is not guaranteed. Orlando is not guaranteed. Orlando's not guaranteed. They got to play Charlotte at Charlotte on the final night of the season. Okay, the but, the, but they have play. a win. They have a win right now against Atlanta, so that already puts them up ahead of teams. Then they got to play at Boston. Boston's probably going to sit their starters. And then they got to play Charlotte, which at that point of the season, they'll have nothing really to fight for except for ruining somebody else's parade. So I guess that's some something to feed off of. But Orlando is on much – the only two teams that I'm concerned with are the Nets and the Heat, which is why this is going to get interesting because on Wednesday night they face each other for the last game of the season. One, one of them is not getting in. I'll tell you that right now. That's what I'm saying. One of them is not getting in, and in my opinion – I believe it's going to wind up being the Nets. I really do believe it's going to wind up being the Nets. write it down. Brooklyn will not make the playoffs, in the words of Kyle Russo. (laughs) The reason why there is no talking on the show is because I am writing that down. You want me to explain? (laughs) I don't think that they will make it because of the fact that, as the Greek freak has said, he doesn't miss games. So you know that he's going to wind up playing tomorrow in Saturday's game. That's not a win. I don't see that as one. I see that as a major loss. You see the big fall that Embiid had the other night against Milwaukee, right? To me, that indicates to the head coach, we're not playing him in any more games because we already clinched the playoff spot. We can't move out of any of the seating. Look, I don't disagree. The Magic have been hot. Saturday night, they beat the Pacers. Really balanced scoring game. Seven players in double figures. But the Heat, Kyle. Yep. They beat the terrible Knicks by eight points. D. Wade, yes, it was a great game. He received the standing O and tribute video from MSG. Wade had 16 in that game, but I you mean, played down to your he opponent. got the Pistons that just beat the red hot Blazers after losing Nurkic. Oh well, then I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't consider that the red hot Blazers. Then you have Cantor going up against one of the best centers in the entire NBA. Oh, it's a field day. I bet DeAndre. Uh, DeAndre. Uh, Andre the Blazers have won eight eight out of their last ten. It's going to come down to defense. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to defense. But back to the Eastern Conference. It's just, I don't, and again, nothing to do with biasness because I, I like Brooklyn. I can't root for the Knicks. I'll root for Brooklyn. And I would have loved to see them get in this season because they really did deserve it. The second half of the season, they kind of fell off a little they're bit. They're acting like but, they're rolling in their grave already, though. Because I believe that they are. With a loss to Milwaukee and probably a win for the if Heat. the season ends tonight, Brooklyn's in. Well, if the Heat pull out this Minnesota win, that's they're ahead right now, and Brooklyn's out because Orlando's going to take a win tonight. Detroit is basically already solidified spot, and Brooklyn is the man out. They would have to win tomorrow. And if the Heat go up tonight, that puts Brooklyn as the ninth seed, and then if they lose tomorrow, which is a strong possibility, that puts them behind the eight ball the by Heat game. still got to play the Raptors. But they're not going to play the starters, though. That's what I'm saying. The Heat will not beat the Raptors. They're not going to play the starters. And the Heat will not beat the Sixers. They're not going to play the starters. They and then the not... Heat play the Nets. To be, co- to be completely honest, 
The Heat have a chance of going 0-3 in their last three games. You if know Charlotte's was, not getting if in. If this was in the middle of the season where games mattered, absolutely, 110% agree. But these are the end-of-the-season games. But it's the coaches go- are not going to play the starters. You're saying Brooklyn is done when you know it's going to come down to Wednesday night, April 10th, because this when is... the Heat play Brooklyn. Keep in mind, at Brooklyn, which that's going to be a playing game. I guarantee you that's going to be a playing game. And at Brooklyn? There'll probably be more Heat fans than Brooklyn fans there, to be honest with you. But no, the point is... <laughs> I had to get I that in. The, point, that the in. point is, they're oh, not going to play the starters. If Giannis doesn't make a statement like that, and he's a guy who's like, okay, we, might, we hey, made guess it, what? we'll sit out. I would say, yeah, Brooklyn has a better guess chance. What? I yeah. think Toronto's bench is better than Miami's starters. I wouldn't disagree, but on any given night, I give him the hand. <laughs> Philadelphia, they're definitely sitting their starters. Oh, you won't see Joel Embiid. You won't see. And you still got to deal Simmons. with T.J. McConnell, Boban Marjanovic. Oh boy, Bo. No, no, I'm not worried. <laughs> as a fan of basketball, as a fan worried. of heat, I'm not He's worried. Not about worried. It. He's not worried when mm-hmm. he knows the Wednesday NBA, night is going to be a playoff. The NBA game. will make sure Wednesday night will. The look, NBA will okay. make sure Dwayne Wade makes look, the playoffs okay. for his final season. You're the Nets. Yes, you have Milwaukee, you have Indiana, but the Heat, you got Toronto, you got Philly. That's tougher than what Brooklyn has. That is. But those two teams are not going to play the starters. The other two teams will. Because Indiana, they don't play the starters. They have the chance of falling down further in the Eastern Conference. They can't fall down further than, than they already are. They're the five. They're fighting for the four with Boston. Well, they're going to look to get that. Okay. And then, again, Greek Freak comes out with a statement, I don't miss games. So he's going to play every single game that he physically can. Now, you look at Philadelphia 76ers, notorious for injuries. They're not going to play their starters in games that don't matter because they already got a locked-up seed, and they're not moving. Again, the Raptors, locked-up seed. They're not moving. Kyle, not going to risk it. Kyle, you're missing the point. Miami's lost two games in a row. They don't look good. I'm not saying they they're good. Their I'm last saying I believe win, they have the better chance to get into the playoffs. Their last win was against the Knicks. And in Brooklyn, I'm sorry. In Brooklyn, I might actually go to that game Wednesday night. I wish I could Miami at Brooklyn. That might be a playoff atmosphere game Oh, uh, at the Barclays Center. But anyway, let's get to the Western Conference. Ugh. Do we have to? <laughs> uh, big stuff last week. Uh, former Nick Trey Burke really has been pulling his weight for Orlando in a game where they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Look, all eight teams in the West have already clinched. At this point, it's just a matter of seeding. And the Mavericks hurt the Thunder because now the Thunder are currently the seventh seed in the West by half a game. They're half a game out of the eighth spot, which is big because then you're going, you got to play Golden State in the first round, which is near automatic elimination. Quite frankly, um, crazy stats. And then, I don't know, Tuesday night, the Warriors beat the Nuggets pretty well, despite the Nuggets having seven players in double digits. This Vanderbilt kid just coming out of nowhere. He's actually playing quite well. Jared Vanderbilt, yeah. Yeah. Didn't, did Jokic get ejected in that game? I think so. Yeah, that's probably Well, they why. do call him the Joker for a reason. Yep, doesn't doesn't know when to... Cut it out. I believe in that game. The ref even told him. Uh, Jokic said a statement after the game. He said uh, he was yelling at the ref, and the ref goes to him, you want another tech? He's like, yeah, I don't care. And then he threw him out of the game. 
That's actually kind of funny. And then you do know, uh, I'm sure Jokic had some April Fool's jokes up his sleeve. I know that game was played on April 2nd, but he might have had a hangover. The joke. I would not want to be guarding Nikola Jokic on April Fool's Day. Let's run down the West. Golden State is first. Denver is second. Houston is third. Portland is fourth. Utah is fifth on a six-game winning streak. They're the hottest team in the league right now. The Clippers are sixth. The Thunder are seventh. And the Spurs are eighth. And I'm going to say something right now. The season ends today. Houston plays the Clippers. I think, at best, the Clippers get one game in that series. That yeah. might that might be a 4-0 sweep in favor of Houston. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Because the problem is Houston's not going to lose either of the first two at home, and then they're going to go to L.A. down 2 nothing, where there's no star on that team. I wouldn't even, even pop games, to be honest with you. I, w- I would say 4-0 sweep. The, the, the Rockets are too dominant. Chris Paul's playing his old team in the playoffs for the first time. Done. Sure. 4-0 sweep. Sure. Currently, right now, fighting for their playoff lives are the Charlotte Hornets leading the Toronto Raptors 113-111 with three seconds to go. Down in Orlando, the Magic are destroying the Atlanta Hawks 145-109 with two minutes. Celtics currently currently lead the Pacers at halftime 58-47. I think the winner of this game gets the four seed. Houston doing Houston things against the Knicks who are doing Nick things. And the Heat lead the Timberwolves by eight at the half. Pistons leading the Thunder by one. And then Utah. I'm sorry, Mike Dawes. I know you're not here tonight, but your Kings are losing to Utah 10 nothing. two minutes into the game. Utah was almost my team of the week because they're one of the hottest teams in the league. I think they have a pot- Kyle Russo, I know you might not be a popular fan of this. Utah currently sitting at the five. Four or five upset over Portland? Yeah, absolutely. And just saying, if Houston falls down to the four, you can't count out Utah against Houston. I would you count can't. them out. I would count them out. I would, I would absolutely count them out. I think Clint Capella. I would count you out. Okay. I would I would take Clint Capella over Rudy Gobert. He's been a very good defensive player. He got snubbed with the all-star team, in my opinion, because of the fact that today's game has moved away from the value in a center traditional center like Rudy Gobert, but I take Clint Capella. Who's going to guard Derek Favors? Who's going to guard James Harden? All right, there's nobody that could do that. Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, solid team. Ricky Rubio? Definitely a solid team. Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen. Well, if you want somebody to trip somebody, you call Grayson Allen up, but no, the, the Rockets on paper, they're just the better team than the more experienced team, but you know what? I'm going to spite my tongue, spite my, no, bite my tongue, spite my face. The Rockets are notorious, especially one player in particular, James Harden. You know, has the greatest regular season of all time, but when it comes to the playoffs, it's a dud. So, you know what, I'm not going to say completely out of the picture, but I would believe that the Rockets would beat Utah in that series. Thank you. No problem. Uh, <laughs> James, big game Wednesday night, the Nets and the Heat. I think if it comes down to it, the Nets will win it. Because they're home. Yeah. If the Heat were home, I think the Heat would win it because he got weighed, potential last game, emotional. Uh, but that's going to be a big game. But we would like to offer at this time a congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks 
on winning the Eastern Conference for the first time since 1974. Wow. Back in Kareem days. Yeah. The Milwaukee Bucks are 59-20. and 20. Awesome. Awesome news. And this is with Brogdon out, with Miritich out, Pau Gasol out. They don't need these guys. Eric Bledsoe got ejected last night. George Hill has really been stepping up his game. In the absence of Brogdon and Bledsoe, guys, Eric Bledsoe played three minutes in this game. You can have all the guys out that you want. The point guard is the glue to your team. He really is. And quite frankly, Giannis wanted up pulling out a win with 45 points. Thanks. No problem. Step out of the game. Pat Connaughton as well. Uh, in my opinion, Pat Connaughton is the second best rebounder on the Bucks behind Giannis. I think he's better at rebounding than Brooke Lopez. Do you see his vertical leap? Yeah, for some reason he's able to grab 10 rebounds a game, 9 rebounds a game. doesn't yeah. make any sense, to be honest it with you. Do- it does make sense when you got a vertical leap like him. Pat has a better vertical leap than Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Well, because Brooke Lopez has been spending his time around the perimeter, on not under the hoop like he used to do with Brooklyn. Yes. So... The NBA playoffs start April 13th, uh, Saturday, that is. A team that will not be in the playoffs is the New York Knicks. would love to skip over them, but we can't. Is there anybody on this team that, like, is guaranteed to stay next year except for maybe these rookies? Alonzo Trier. Besides, oh, wait, besides, besides the rookie, the rookie. The rookies. Uh, maybe Moutier. Mm-hmm. That's about it. To be honest with you, maybe they sign back DeAndre Jordan because if they swing and miss at a lot of the top-tier guys, they'll probably have be forced to sign back a guy like DeAndre Jordan. Well, with the Knicks' luck, they won't get Zion. Oh, yeah, yeah. They'll wind up getting the sixth uh, six pick and draft Bobo. Bowl, Bowl, Can no. they get the sixth pick? Potentially. No. You fall out of the lottery, yeah. Knox, well, th- this is going to be back for the What's Knicks. the rookies? This is who's going to be back. Well, besides... Dennis Smith. Yeah. LT. Lance Thomas? Yeah, I think so. No, I think this is the last year of his contract. Yeah, but you got to have veterans on this team. Hazonia will will be back. If he resigns, yes. Luke Cornette will be back. What do you mean? It's Luke Cornette. This team is garbage. They're losing by 30-something points to the Rockets right now. They're not, you know, none of these guys have really showed that. are you going to get rid of the whole team? Yeah, the Knicks, half of the team is horrible, and the starting lineup could be a G League team. Who are you going to replace them with? Free agency? The, Potential you just said, free agents. Are you going to replace them with the G League? We can't replace them with the G League, but that's what they've been doing. Why? The main, the main Dotson might stay. All part of the process. Tank for Zion. You know, you, you don't like it now, but June 26th, you love it. Now, James. what if you don't get Zion? What if you don't get Zion? Barrett. Well, then you're done for the next, like, 10 years. Barrett. <laughs> No, yeah. after especially after the performance that he had against Michigan State, I would not go with Barrett. Ja would be the guy. Ja would be the guy. I think Barrett. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will review and preview the NCAA tournament, talk about the Final Four coming up this weekend. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. It is no longer March. 
Welcome back to Reefing Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo, James Montefusco. Love doing that. Uh, the NCAA tournament, we have now reached the final four. The Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight are gone. Before we talk about the four teams that are in the final four, let's uh, review and preview some of the big games from last weekend. The Purdue-Virginia game, of course. This game was fantastic. The uh, Diakite at the end with, like, tenths of a second left just throws it in. I remember I was working hockey at NBC, and I remember everybody screaming, oh, my goodness, whoa, this game's going to overtime. Ryan Klein, uh, Carson Edwards, and Purdue should have had this in the yep. bag. Yep. Should have been theirs. Sad. Should have been. Carson Edwards was actually named the most outstanding player in the South region he was without a doubt 42 points in the overtime loss to virginia um i really don't like this virginia team but they still find ways to live up to the motto survive and advance uh you know this is this was not a popular pick to win the ncaa tournament but I will give them this. They were a popular pick to make it to the Final Four because, quite frankly, I think Virginia had an easy region. I really do. I think they had an easy region. I don't think Tennessee was as strong of a two-seed as people were making them out to be. I also didn't see Virginia as that strong of a one-seed, but give them credit where it's due. They are here. They're here. Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter. It's crazy. They outscored Purdue 10 to 5 in overtime. Ty Jerome had 24 points and 7 assists in this game. The problem was for the Boilermakers, Carson Edwards was the whole team. He was the whole team. 10 of 19 from 3. Purdue shot the 3 ball at almost 44%. Klein had an awful game scoring just 7 points. Nobody well, everybody did. Nobody besides Edwards scored more than seven points. Harms was in there. Eastern, Eifert, Stefanovic, Williams, Wheeler, Hunter. Not there. Kyle Guy led Virginia with 25 points. Ty Jerome was good. Diakite, fantastic. DeAndre Hunter had an off game, but other people picked it up. Jack Salt had a good game. I like Jack Salt. 34 minutes he logged. Uh, good stuff. By the way, we brought up how Carson Edwards won the MVP of the South region. Last time a player did that, won that award in a losing effort, Steph Curry, Davidson, 2008. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And then the other game that happened Saturday night in the Elite Eight, you had Texas Tech beating Gonzaga. Matt Mooney with 17 points. Jared Culver with 19. Let me tell you something about Texas Tech. They shut you down. They really do. Gonzaga had nothing in that first. I mean, Hachimura and Clark were good. Perkins was all right, but they held Kispert to nothing. Didn't hit a three. Norvell was bad. They gave up three bench points the entire game, guys. 
Well, that was their problem. Not the bench points, but that was their problem. You look at the regular field goal percentage, it's fine by each player. The three-pointers are what killed them. Three misses. Yep. 0 for 3, Hachimura. Then you had 4 of 9 from Perkins, 2 of 9 from Norville. It was terrible. It was live and die by the 3, and they died by it. Love Tariq Owens, by the way. Good player. Sunday, Auburn beats Kentucky. Stunner. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Auburn was my team of the week last week, and there was a reason why. I think Auburn was one of the hottest teams in college basketball coming into the tournament. They destroyed Tennessee in the SEC final. The way Harper and Brown have been playing, both scoring 24-plus points in that game. Uh, Nobody played well on Kentucky besides uh, P.J. Washington who came off the bench, 28 points, 13 rebounds. Yeah. He was the only bright spot for him. Ashton Higgins was terrible. What? Seven turnovers in this game by Ashton Higgins. If you shoot 57% from the free throw line, you will not advance in this tournament. Kentucky had the opportunities. This game also went to overtime. Yep. Shocking. Um, And then the other game, Duke and Michigan State. Final score, Michigan State wins by one point, 68-67. Zion had a fantastic game, 24 points, 14 boards. And he also had the five turnovers, but he was great. Let me tell you, he the kid just can't hit free throws. I don't know what it is. Javin Delorier had a really good game, too. Perfect from the field, had a double-double, 10-11, and 11, but... Trey Jones was bad. Uh, Cam Reddish actually did not start this game, guys. Apparently he was ill or he got hurt during warm-ups or something. I don't know what happened, but Alex O'Connell actually started the game for Duke, a team that barely, and I mean barely, got by Buzz Williams and Virginia Tech Friday night. Look, we were playing pool at the end of that game, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Virginia Tech should have won that game. That was the second game in a row that the opposing team missed the wide-open layup Yes, that allowed Duke to win the game. First UCF, and now VT. Now that, that was an intense game to watch. Well, it I- was, because again, Duke just couldn't do enough late. The other team was hot. Uh, look, I don't understand. I don't understand why Duke always has trouble in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're bad at the three this year. They were bad at foul shooting. Um, I'll tell you why they lost. R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett was atrocious this game. Yeah, he had 21 points in this game, but he was awful. Seven turnovers. Missed some clutch free throws towards the end of the game. Then had an open look to win the game. Missed that. He was atrocious. Yeah. yeah. He was awful in this game. I agree with you. And not just that, but 68-67. Again, you look at that and you say, close game. Duke had 18 turnovers in this game compared to Michigan State's seven. Yeah. It can't happen. No. No, cannot happen. You look at Kentucky, even though they lost in the Elite Eight, they looked good against Houston on Friday night. Close game with them. 
and I think the leverage Auburn gained on a 17-point victory against North Carolina, it eventually hoisted them past Kentucky. I think they deserved it. Very impressive Auburn has been. But back to this Duke game here. Xavier Tillman. Cassius Winston. I like these guys, man. I think Cassius Winston's the best player left in the tournament. No. I think no. so. Over Jared Culver? Culver? I think Culver's number two behind Cassius Winston. I don't think so. Okay. I don't I don't agree with that, but Cassius Winston. He's definitely solid. Nineteen player. points a game. Forty seven percent from the field. I think he's a little better. He shoots a lot. He's also only six feet tall, Kyle. But he shot 23 times in this Duke game. Okay, but that's one game. Look what he's done the whole tournament. I'm not questioning it. I'm not questioning it. Definitely a solid performance. Culver has nearly identical stats to Cassius Winston. I just give him the edge. Why? You might hate me for saying this. Jared Culver? Sophomore. Cassius Winston? Not a sophomore. And is a... He's a senior. Uh, no, he might be a junior, actually. Okay. I'm not sure if he got... You know, because how Izzo redshirts guys a lot. Matt McQuaid, a senior on Michigan State. Excellent three-point shooter in this tournament. Look, I'm telling you, Michigan State is a legit shot. No. They do have... On paper... They're the second-best team left behind Virginia. Again, do you look at the turnover percentage? Duke lost by one game and almost dropped 20 Cassius points. Cassius Winston's a junior, by the way, just to confirm. Uh, I, I, I could have sworn he redshirted one year. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person. But, I mean, you get the point. The Spartans, the Big Ten champions, you look at it right now. This is going to be a fun Final Four, I'm going to tell you. What's in common with all these Final Four teams, Kyle Russo? Um... I don't know. Upperclassmen led. These freshmen, these one-and-done teams do not go far in the tournament. Duke and Kentucky were the last two standing, and they lost in the Elite Eight. The reason why Michigan State won this game? Experience. Experience. They devised a plan to take away what Duke does well. Yes, Reddish not starting helped. Mm -hmm. It had trouble getting his footing going in the first half. You mentioned it great. R.J. Barrett did not play well in this game. Why? Cassius Winston, Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, they shut him down in that first half. It was a fantastic game defensively operated by the Spartans. To hold Duke to 67 points, 67 points. R.J. Barrett was atrocious. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to take anything away from their defense, but missing multiple free throws at clutch points, missing open shots. It's not like it's not like he wasn't open on most of these shots. He was open on I'm a lot of saying, them. I'm not saying, look. And Zion Williamson, the force that he is, he could not carry the team this time. But let me get this to you straight. Michigan State did not win with their offense. They won with their defense. Oh, there's no doubt. Michigan State did not have a good offensive game either. But they didn't put up as many turnovers. Duke turned over the ball. 17 times. Double of what Michigan, Michigan State, State did. Seven. Yeah. More than double. More than double. So, with that being said, the Final Four is set. Coach Calipari from the University of Kentucky will not be going or any anytime soon. A lifetime. lifetime extension. Impressive. Kentucky has the most wins in the NCAA, fun fact, since Coach Cal took over. Really? Yeah. Over Duke? 
Yes. It's impressive. I don't know what it is, but Coach K in these NCAA tournaments, only four Final Fours since the turn of the century. And one championship. Yeah. And to get a lifetime deal, it's pretty, I wouldn't say questionable, but, I mean, listen, if you love a guy, you love a guy. And if you want him there for a long time, you got to pay him. Yeah. Because there was rumors that he was getting offers from UCLA. You know what else? Pretty expensive offers. You know what else is questionable? Yeah. These brackets. All right, let's get to the bracket standings, guys. James, congratulations. You're in first place. Thank you, thank you. You are one of two people that have a shot at winning at this point. You and Megan Earhart, Kyle's sister, are the only two that have a shot at winning. You're the only two that have a chance of earning any more points. Yeah. Megan Earhart has Virginia winning the national tournament. If Virginia wins, she wins. So you got to root for Virginia to lose. Oh, I I am. Virginia loses, you win. Yeah. Listen, that could be a big upset. I think she's sitting at 11th in our uh, bracket right now. She is. So 11 to 1. That's huge. The fact yeah. that she can jump from 11 to 1 in a 12-man league is ridiculous. Well, two women. A 12-person league. <laughs> in second place, our good friend, Nick Tonks. Um, Nick led the brackets early on. Then the lead yeah. went to Kanan. Mm-hmm. Now... Well, Tommy Mack led for a little Tommy, bit as well. Tommy led for it, a little while. It, I think it was Tommy Mack, Nick, Tommy Mack again, Kanan, James. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Nick, Nick picked a great bracket. I was texting him earlier in this week uh, about his bracket. He uh, he congratulated me for getting first. But you know what? Yeah, after Duke fell out, he yeah. flew down to the bottom of the, he did. the bracket. He's, you know. Did he I really mean, fly? Yeah, he flew down. It was a... Listen, Duke knocked out a lot of brackets across America, not just in our league, but... Oh, they did. They did. They did. did. A lot of people also lost a lot of money. Third place, former host of the show, Brian Marbach, tied with Allison Montefusco, your sister. These rankings may change. We will find out next week on the show. If you want to find out who wins our bracket challenge and where everyone places, find out Monday night following the conclusion of the 2019 NCAA National Championship game. Last question of this segment. You brought up Duke. We've talked about Duke. Are all the freshmen leaving? I yes. So. But Trey Jones got very emotional at the end of that game, consoled by Marcus Bolden, Jack White, a couple of the returning players. You look at this Duke team next year. Who's coming back? Bolden, DeLaurier, White, O'Connell, Goldwire, Joey Baker. Five, six. six. It's a Duke team of six for next season. Of course, they're going to recruit and get new guys in, but yeah. maybe Trey Jones should consider staying. He'll probably take the route his brother did and jet out. But listen, Duke has some unfinished business. That's that. That's the point I'm getting at here. And all these guys are going to leave, which is sad. You know, I mean, it, it, it is sad. Sense. You build a brotherhood, and you know, they that's ending. And there was rumors talking about that. Zion and a couple other guys might join Team USA so they could play together for a last time. But, you know, money propels a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it is. 
On that note, we're going to step aside for our final break of the evening. When we come back, we're going to preview the Final Four and talk some NCAA Women's Tournament Basketball, their Final Four, in progress. You're listening to Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks, here on LIUWave.org, the new sound of LIU. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco and Kyle Russo. Excellent show so far tonight, guys. 20 minutes to go. Reminder, our call-in number, they, our phone lines are now closed tonight, but you can call in next week, 516-299-2030, like Hank and Victor did earlier tonight. And remember, you can listen to our podcast. It'll be up tomorrow morning. Anchor.fm slash review and preview. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well at review and preview. All right, guys. So, final four is set. Auburn and Texas Tech, first ever final four appearances. The emergence of Bruce Pearl. Is he one of the next college basketball coaching greats? No. No. You sure about that? I'm positive. You sure? I'm positive. He coached Milwaukee University to a Sweet 16. Coached Tennessee to their first Elite Eight. And now Auburn to their first Final Four. They've been very fortunate. They're the Cinderella story this year. Auburn. Because they have a legitimate shot at beating a team like Virginia, in my opinion. They're I a Cinderella story. Consider them a Cinderella. They're a Cinderella. Oh, did you could anybody Come ever on. imagine they're not a five. Besides They didn't deserve to be a five. Besides Charles Barkley. Would anybody have Auburn in their top in their final four? Would anybody have them going to the Elite Eight? An outside shot. No, a long shot. Not even close. That's the Cinderella story of this tournament. I so almost far. had them upsetting Carolina. Over North you were gonna pick Auburn over North Carolina. Yes. You were gonna pick North. They won Auburn. the SEC. They obliterated Tennessee, Kyle. Okay, so they beat a team that can't score and it's just defensive. Uh, just a defensive team. Why? Because that one game you watched them against Purdue where you nearly screamed your lungs out at the TV? Oh, I was very <laughs> mad. I was doing very well in the bracket. I was, I believe, the second seed in the bracket before that happened. But no, Tennessee, we all knew, was a defensive team. That's what they are. Auburn also did this without their star. Chuma Okike tore his ACL. Played for him. Motivation. Yes, correct. Now, the first school in Final Four ever, whose name is a color. This is one of four Division I schools that their school name is a color. The other three, the Navy Midshipmen, the Siena Saints, and Brown. Fun fact. You guys have fun? I had a blast. I did. I hope you know Auburn's a color. All right, well, now I do. Now I do. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know it was color. Uh, Wow, the University of Virginia makes their first Final Four since 1984 as they defeat Purdue at the last second. It has been a while for them, 35 years. And it's been a crazy road for them as well. Texas Tech, of course, a veteran-led team. Their head coach, Chris Beard, was just named AP Coach of the Year. 
for college basketball, along with Zion, of course, who ran away with AP Player of the Year. Shocker. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's definitely uh, an exciting Final Four for sure. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm so excited for tomorrow night. These games are going to be fun. They're gonna. I think they're going to all come down to the wire. I like, think we're going to wind up seeing Texas versus Texas. I think that's what we're going to really wind up seeing. I mean, Auburn, I think, has a really great shot at moving on, considering that Virginia, I mean, going into this year's uh, March Madness, I thought out of all number one seeds, Virginia would have been the first one to be knocked out, in my opinion. And they are the only one left at this time. I think Auburn has a legitimate shot. And then when it comes down to Texas Tech, I think that I think they're just so hot right now. I don't think they'd be, I don't think they'd be stopped talking too fast for the words coming out of my mouth. I don't think Texas Tech will be stopped. I think we're going to wind up seeing Texas Tech versus Auburn in the championship game. Auburn is from Alabama. I'm 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 speaking. There is too an fast. Auburn, Texas, though. I am. Yeah. I just. You start talking because I I'm looking silly right now. I'm speaking too <laughs> fast for my brain. This is review and preview. <laughs> I'm folks, speaking too here fast. Here on liewave.org. What do all four teams have in common? Defense. Defense wins championships. Yes, they do. Any sport. I'll tell you something. Big games coming up Saturday tomorrow night. Can't you have Auburn that. against Virginia, 6:09 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS. Join Jim Nance for the call. Should be fun. Uh, really looking forward to this game. Texas Tech against Michigan State, 8.49 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tip. Weird start times, but it's been this way for a while now. That game is also on CBS. You can catch it there. The lines in this game, Virginia is favored by five. Michigan State favored by two and a half. Uh, I'm going to go ahead right now and say that Virginia defeats Auburn. Uh, and then, you know, as much as I want to pick Texas Tech, I think Tom Izzo finds a way. It's going to be Virginia versus Michigan State in the national championship with Michigan State winning it all. Any, would anyone like to uh, chime in? You go, Kyle. I, I thought it went already, technically. I said well, we're going to wind up saying Auburn versus Texas Tech. Oh. The two Texas – no. Who do you got winning, though? The, I yeah. got Texas Tech. I got Texas Tech. Good pick. Look, believe me, if Texas Tech was playing either one of those two other teams, I would easily pick them. It's just Michigan State, it's Izzo, it's hard. James? I'm going to go with Michigan and Auburn. Who do you have winning it all? Auburn. Three different picks. I like it. Um, I will say this. Virginia will not cover the spread, even if they win. They will not cover the spread, guys. Also, a shout-out to Shaka Smart and the Texas Longhorns for winning the National Invitation Tournament Championship last night in their final against Lipscomb. Texas, a two-seed entering this tournament, led by big-time players. A great way to go out if you're senior Dylan Ositkowski. Uh, the Texas Longhorns are your NIT champions. Congrats to them. We all have three different winners. Nobody picked Virginia. I wonder why. <laughs> Actually, in fact, I'm the only person that has Virginia winning. Fun fact, and you're the only person that has Texas Tech winning. I'm really looking forward to this. Love it. All right, we're going to move on to some women's college basketball for the last 10 minutes of the show. 
The final four is here. Uh, one game is already complete. Baylor, the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, advances to the national championship game as they beat Oregon earlier tonight by a final score of 72 to 67. They will play the winner of UConn and Notre Dame, the defending national champions from last year. Second quarter, UConn leads Notre Dame. Well, it's tied, 16-16. I spoke too soon, guys. The luck of the Irish comes into play. Uh, Love it. But let's talk about the Elite Eight. Sunday, UConn beats Louisville 80-73. I'm going to say something. Katie Lou Samuelson, she might be the best player in women's college basketball. She is lethal behind the three-point line, guys. 29 points against the Ville, 7-12 from three. She's a fantastic player, and so far tonight, she has not scored in this game against Notre Dame. Kyle, do you think Notre Dame's game plan is to slow her down with their veteran leaders? Absolutely. You know, the dominance of this player, she's a potential. I've read a lot about her. She's a potential high draft pick in this year's uh, lottery for women's basketball. And potentially, I, I mean, listen, if you could stop the main player, it stop, if you could stop the heart of the team, yes, you stop the rest. Of course. Yes. That's, that's what this is. She's the heart of this team right now. And to stop her, especially for a stat sheet in history of which UConn has for dominance in the tournament, it's very impressive so far in this game at 16-16. I happen to agree with that. Now, James. Yes. Mississippi State made it to the national championship game last year where they lost to Notre Dame. This year they lose to Oregon in the Elite Eight. It was a good year for Oregon basketball. We saw the men's team as a 12 seed make the Sweet 16. And then this Oregon team is a 2, making it to the Elite Eight. Uh, or to the Final Four, excuse me. They reached their first women's Final Four ever by beating the runner-up in last year's tournament, even though they did lose to Baylor tonight. Um, this Oregon team, James, they they looked pretty good, and they took the best team in women's college basketball down to the wire, only lost by five points. Listen, when you play that well and you're that hot, there's no way of stopping you. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they played extremely well this season. They should pat themselves on the back for how far they went you know for some schools that it's like they don't expect them going very far um but they were the number two seed so they definitely knew they had magic within their group of girls yes Yes. which helped them a long way unfortunately you know they lost but they should be proud of themselves for making it thus far they should they have a lot of good players on that team yeah ionescu crizola but Baylor won this game without making a three the entire game. They shot three threes the whole game, 0 for 3 from downtown. They don't need the three to win. Lauren Cox, fantastic girl in the paint. Brown as well. She's really good. 22 points and seven rebounds. Phenomenal performance. And they shot the ball over 54% from the field. That's why they are advancing. Monday night, Baylor, and they also steamrolled over Iowa, 85 to 53. Uh, look, when you beat a team by 33 points in the Elite Eight, you deserve to be in the national championship game. Just saying, those Baylor Bears played hard. They played well. The defending national champions, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, defeat Stanford 84-68. to Jackie Young and Arike Agumbawale lead the charge. Uh, one of their four seniors who had those last-minute buzzer beaters last year in the women's Final Four, against UConn, and then in the national championship against Mississippi State. 
currently Notre Dame in a rematch of last year's Final Four against UConn. Kyle, I think these are the two best teams in college basketball, in my opinion. I think this is the one and two uh, in no particular order. I think we find out. I think the winner of this game beats Baylor, who's ranked number one in the tournament. Because you look at UConn, they were a two seed this year. UConn is the most successful team in whether it's college or pro, they're the most successful team in sports, this women's basketball team. Yep. Consistency. I think if if Notre Dame pulls out the win now, leading 18-16, to 16, obviously still a lot of time left, eight minutes left in the second quarter. But I believe that UConn would have the better chance against Baylor rather than Notre Dame, in my opinion. Just based on the dominance that we've seen with Baylor, and especially just in this previous game that they just played against Oregon. The fact that you only attempt a three-pointer in today's day and age Three times. Miss all three to a team compared to Oregon who shot the three-pointer 32 times in this game, made 12 of them, and still won the game by five points. Mm-hmm. Still managed to win without a complete whole part of today's game. Extremely, extremely impressive. And right now, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish are leading 18-16. One of their main scores, we were just talking about uh, UConn's main score in Samuelson. Samuelson. And now Ogumbawale is scoreless in this game right now. So she was a girl last season who came up with some absolutely clutch miracle shots to move Notre Dame further in the tournament. And hopefully some, I know, Tom, that fighting Irish love, I hopefully they have some magic left in the tank, some luck left in the tank, because you're yeah. going to need this in this game. Connecticut, the UConn, the statue that they put together, history, over the past, uh, over the past seven years, ten years now. Yeah. I mean, Jessica Shepard, too, is a big player for Notre Dame, a Nebraska transfer with 10 points, 5 of 10 from the field. She's taken 10 shots already. Wow. Notre Dame has yet to make a three in this game, and I think if they're going to win this game, they need some Arike magic. The question is, can she do it two years in a row? Uh, That's something that's left to be seen. Uh, Collier, the leading scorer in this game for uh, UConn, uh, lead scorers for both teams. Notre Dame now leads 22-18. to So uh, be on the lookout there. Um, Look, the coaches are the real story of this game. Two best coaches in the game right now, Gino Oriema against Muffet McGraw. Uh, Gino Oriema, one of the most successful coaches ever. Both will easily go into the Hall of Fame someday. Uh, This is a classic duel. These two coaches, very well respected. They respect each other, well known. Um, And I'm really looking forward. This game's going to come down to the wire. I mean, you see the back-and-forth scoring already. I mean, it's only the first half, but 22-20 to 20 midway through the second period. Uh, who do you guys think pulls this game out? I don't know. I mean, it's UConn's tough. a tough it's team. Tough. I think Notre Dame wins uh, real, realistically because they have Arike. I mean, I think she's going to turn it on in the second half. The fact that they're up as she just scored her first points of the game if you keep Katie Lou Samuelson down, you're eventually going to hit threes. You're eventually going to hit threes. Uh, and that's scary. They're already up by two without hitting a three in this game. 0 for 6 from the three-point stripe. That's tough. I think th- this game will go down either to the final minutes or final seconds. And I think uh, Notre Dame will probably pull it out. Well, what Notre Dame is doing this game right now, they're just dominating the boards offensively. They have seven offensive rebounds compared to... UConn's measly too, but they're just playing better right now. Notre they Dame. They're playing better. And obviously, listen, 
so much time left in the game. Anything can happen. The way the final four works out for the women's different from the men. Their f- two final four matchups are on Friday night, and their national championship game is on Tuesday. As yes. were the men, their final four matchups on Monday, Saturday, Saturday. and the national championship oh, is the Monday national night. Championship is Monday. Now, the men's team. Do we know where the final four is this year? Uh, Minneapolis. It is in Minneapolis. Yeah. Minneapolis. Um, so that's an excellent place for basketball. I mean, we saw Minnesota in the NCAA tournament this season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's great. Look, I think it's going to be Notre Dame against Baylor. I think you – look, Baylor, their first title game they've made since 2012. But Notre Dame, look, I think they're just a little bit more experienced than UConn right now. I think they're a younger team, and I think that's why they were a two-seed this season. And the fact they're able to be – one of the final three teams standing is awesome. I really do think it's awesome. But it will be left to be seen who will win this game. All right, so we will review both national championships and final fours next week. We will talk more baseball, get to some more sporting news. The NBA playoffs will be a day away. On behalf of Kyle Russo and James Montefusco, I am Tom Scavetta. Guys, any final thoughts here before we sign off? No? This college basketball is going to be an exciting weekend. I really do think so, too. This is a great time of year. And after this is all over, sports gets it gets dull for a while. It's just baseball. So we will see what happens there. All right, guys. I'm Tom Scavetta wishing you all a good evening. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Small town.